Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And today we're going to be talking about the nine taboo things that can actually benefit your relationship. This is out of the Huffington Post and written by Kelsey Borenson. But before we get there, I want to talk to all the single ladies. The new song, Miley Cyrus's Flowers. I am just loving this song. You've heard it, right? (laughs) Of course I have. And you have an inner Miley. Like you love Miley. Do you remember when Wrecking Ball came out and we were on the radio together and you like made us play it a thousand times and you were just obsessed with, yes, you loved loved it right away. And that was a song that was hard for people. Like at first it was like, wait, what is this? Oh yeah. And you were an early adopter of Wrecking Ball. And then, you know, the more I've gotten to know you over the past 10 years, like none of this surprises me. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a, there's definitely, um, there's, I, I definitely have a real rebellious streak. Mm-hmm. That's oddly like people who don't know me very well, that would maybe surprise them, but I, I am not necessarily great with authority. Um, <laughs> my husband will, the other night he was playing cause we'll play stuff at, at night just to try and go to sleep. And he said, um, Alexa play wild horses. Oh yeah. Um, and he just, everything in his mind about me has just been this woman that's just been like this wild thing through our whole marriage. So, but if you're single, we're going to be talking about people in relationships today, but if you're single, uh, man or woman, it's a wonderful song about self-care and self-love and just getting yourself in sort of in order, which I love. But okay, so the nine taboo things that can actually benefit your relationship the this list I thought was actually pretty good. Did you go through all of it? Yeah, I did. So are we going to play this like a game? Like, are we going to have to reveal if we do these things or I not? I think we, um, I think get, we should. Okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe not on all of them. Okay. Maybe um, just on just on a few. <laughs> okay. So we'll go back and forth. Why don't you start with the first one and I'll take the second one. So the first one, the taboo number one that um, the Huffington Post says can actually benefit your relationship is sleeping in separate beds, which is dubbed the sleep divorce. I was just talking about this with a friend. We've oh, really? done an episode on this on yep. Best to the Nest where we've talked about this. Yeah. I've I've actually talked about this with several friends. One friend said that the only way they got out of a sleep divorce was that he had to get treated for sleep apnea because okay. their sleeping was so bad because he was snoring. And then the, the I mean, uh, you know, Jay and I have been in a sleep divorce situation for quite some time. And it kind of started because he would like, he wakes me up in just moving around. And right. when we have a baby and I have to always get up and nurse the baby and do everything with the baby. And he's frankly quite useless with the baby in the middle of the night when, right. when I'm nursing, it's just like, the baby yeah. doesn't want him. The baby, right. it doesn't help. It's like, it doesn't work that way for us. 
so then it's like, if you're going to wake me up too, like I can't do it. And we always needed to have a parent in another bedroom where the older kids could go. So if they woke up, then they knew that they would go to daddy. They wouldn't come to mama in the middle of the night. I mean, this is like how oh, I'd forgot our house these days. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, I, ta- I I was talking with another friend the other day, yeah, a coworker who was like, oh yeah, I was sleeping in our youngest son's bedroom because he was sleeping with my wife. Like, I mean- this it's just like that constant i think the bottom line is that you it, unless someone is like really unless you're doing it because you're like hateful towards that person right. you're very angry towards that person you don't want to be near that person i mean that's one thing if you are in a sleep divorce situation for whatever reason because you get better sleep and you guys are your best selves right i think that's great like do it. And I don't really anticipate this is going to be forever for us. I just think this is sort of, this is just where we're at right now. And I just need to get sleep and he snores and I don't know what else to tell you. (laughs) I think this is a really hard one. And in the article throughout these taboos, the, the writer quotes different therapists. And one of the therapists said, you know, you can't be your best self if you're not getting sleep. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's absolutely true. What I would say to that is, I mean, I've had like the ultimate sleep divorce where we were actually in beds in different cities. And I would have to say <laughs> it was a part of I and 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 generally when we lived together, we slept together. And so I did get quite used to sleeping alone. It's and the purity of that sleep was quite extraordinary. I will tell you this for everybody that, you know, if you're gonna judge sleep divorce, this was my situation. So when I lived in Tempe, the master bedroom had a fireplace. And so I would, when I was alone, Mm -hmm. I would start the fire, you know, with a little like controllable log. So I knew it was going to burn for three hours. It didn't matter if I was going to fall asleep. Right. Get into bed, have the bed just the way that I like it. Yes. Have the blankets just the way that I like it. I had blackout curtains on the patio. There was, we had French doors that went out to a patio because it was, the bedroom was on the first floor. I would Mm -hmm. shut those. The bedroom was so dark. Like you couldn't see your hand. Yeah. And that was the best sleep I've ever gotten for four years. Right. (laughs) So so I'm not going to judge a sleep divorce. What I will say is the other side of that is now that we're sleeping in the same bed, we don't have the children issue. Yeah. That there is something very reaffirming and wonderful about just cuddling up and curling up together. And I think- that's that's what does get missed is that sort of touchstone. And we're not talking about sex, just that touchstone of I always I always wrap my feet around his feet because they're like natural water bottles. You know, they're just so hot all the time. So they feel good. And that's something that I think that's sort of the joy of being in a marriage right. is having that 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 just that touch. And I think if you forget that. Even if you're in a temporary sleep divorce, which we all go through when we have kids, mm-hmm. what you're explaining, I, I, I'm I remembering as you're yeah. saying it, yep. but I think you have to remember to, to find ways to get that touch in other ways then. Well, I also think the thing, the one thing that I miss out the most about it is like waking up as a team, kind yeah. of like starting the day as a team. And that's been yeah. like the biggest thing that I struggle with is because we don't wake up as a team and I'm woken up by a child and he's not. And so I can have you all start to imagine the resentment that builds up with me there where I'm like, I can't even effing believe that you just get to sleep until 
you wake up for yourself. Like it makes me pretty filled with rage. And so that is not great. And, and I just feel like it's, that it's just not fair. And that's a big deal. That is a big deal. deal. It is a big deal. And so it gets really frustrating when I have to be like, and then when, you know, and then if he's still sleeping, when he needs to get up to do something for the children and I have to come and be like, hello, then it's such a big deal because you want to throw something at that person's head. And that doesn't feel great because one doesn't want to feel that way. No, but alas, no, but here we are. So it is a big darn deal though. I never thought about it. I always, I always thought about the sleep divorce or sleeping apart as you're going to sleep. I never thought about what it means when you're waking up. Yeah. And actually, I would say probably 90% of women in that situation would also be filled with rage. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, and I don't know like when that's going to end or how it's going to end, but that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, you guys, you listen to this podcast. Let's not like, this is not all sunshine and roses. I mean, I just, I don't know. I just never want people to think that like, oh, She's on TV and she's got three kids and she drinks bone broth. And how does she do it all? You know what, guys? I like want to freaking jump off a bridge sometimes. Like, I want to be like, I hate everything. It's like, this is truth talk happening. I mean, it is not all perfect over here by any means. Before we got this podcast going, I was like, oh my gosh, here's the biggest fight. It's just like, it's all work. And I do feel, I know I'm like going off topic, but that being said- um, have we talked about my viewing of the movie This Is 40 when Jay and I rewatched the movie This Is 40? No. So when Jay and I were dating, so we were like, we met when I was 29. So we were probably 30, 31 something. We went, right. we would go to movies on dates, guys. We would go on dates and do all How these things. Fun. We would make homemade pasta on a Tuesday. We oh would on God. a Thursday decide let's have a dinner party and we would just invite 10 people over and we would make them a magical dinner. <laughs> Any hoozy, whatever. So we went out to the movies and we saw the movie, This is 40. And if you haven't seen it, it's Paul Rudd. It's Leslie Mann. They have um, two children in the movie and it is all about like life at 40 when you have seemingly sort of like have it all you've been married for like 10 years your your career what's going on with your careers what's going on with your stuff all this stuff i remember seeing the movie and feeling like we kind of laughed a little bit and then we were like this is really depressing like this is depressing and we kind of left being like that won't be us will it then we happened to watch it. Oh, I was no. in the playroom. I oh, love to sit in our playroom and watch Mm-mm. movies on our oldest TV. We watched it then like, um, Mm. this was probably like two months ago. Mm -mm. And so I was started to watch it. And then Jay was like, what are you watching? And and he's like, oh, I'll come sit in here and watch it with you. So he came and sat and watched the movie with me. And I was like, do you remember when we went to the movie theater and saw this movie? He's like, yeah, kind of. I don't think we really liked it. And I was like, no, then we're watching it. We were laughing so hard that we were sobbing. We were crying. There is a point when Leslie Mann goes into the bathroom and opens the door to the bathroom. And Paul Rudd's character is sitting on the toilet with his iPad. And she's like, she's like, what are you even doing in here? And he's like, I'm pooping. And she's like, you're not even pooping. Get up and let me look at the toilet. (laughs) Prove it. Prove it. You're just hiding in here. You're hiding from everything and I'm doing everything and blah, blah, blah. I mean, and they're like screaming at each other. And And we were laughing so hard because now we're like, oh my gosh, 
we're 40. We get it. Like, this is how it is. And it's just now it's been like we've been in the trenches for eight years because we've had little kids for eight years and we've been in the trenches. And it's like fascinating to think about that. And so then here we are in this (laughs) podcast and I have just revealed. I just read I just read something in the cut, which is a uh, I think it's from it's either from the New Yorker or New York magazine. I can't remember, but it was an article about how midlife 40s. So many people say that that's their best decade. Yeah. And I got to say, not so much. I don't think so. I didn't. I was so in the thick of it. And you're even a little bit more in the thick of it than I was in my 40s because I had kids a little bit younger than you. But it wasn't bad. But I wouldn't say it was my best. It's definitely best. It's best with work. I mean, I think it's great with work because you feel... Like, I still feel like I have a lot of opportunity to grow right. and work, you know, yes. and then at the same time, I also feel like I just give fewer Fs. And so I am, can yes. be better and I can make decisions more quickly and I can prioritize more quickly. But I might, I mean, I think it's, it's probably the hardest time in your relationship and in your marriage. And if it's any indication of me talking with my friends, yeah, I think so most of us are in the same boat. I feel like there's a lot of nesters who are out on their walk right now listening to this nodding. And if and you want to shout out a like, hallelujah, I'm with you while you're on your walk, go for it. I just, I just don't like the, the idea that that false idea of that the forties are somehow where everything settles in. I think it's kind of the opposite where your forties are, yeah, your career might be in a good place, but that means there are still demands and you're still in it. Mm-hmm. Your kids are pretty demanding. Mm-hmm. I just remember feeling like, I just remember being so tired. I was so tired all the time. Yeah. And then I just remember feeling like, I, I just, you've talked about it before, but that there's just never a moment where a plate wasn't spinning. There's yeah, just yeah. never a moment. And and I'm not saying this to make you feel bad or good, but I will say, I mean, I'm 58 now. And yesterday, I mean, I'm in school. So I got up, I read, then I exercised, then I took a nap. Yeah. And then I got up and read some more. Yeah. And I will just say there's something really, and that's the light at the end of the tunnel is that I'm so grateful that I have my children. I'm so glad I went through what I went through to have them. But I'm just here to say, I remember, and that everybody that's going through it, it is really hard. And just say that to yourself all the time. Mm -hmm. It's really hard and and things will change and it will get easier. It will get easier. But I think that I always had the false sense that it would get easier like when the kids were in high school. And it didn't. It just didn't. Really? I'm really hoping for that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm feeling like once everyone's in kindergarten, it's going to be a little bit easier. Like at least easier in terms of the physical labor of like people can make their own snacks. That's all I want. Yes. Just get your own snacks. I don't know, you guys. Like go in there and make a grilled cheese. Like I'm not saying you have to make some sort of amazing meal. Cut up a freaking apple and put some peanut butter on it yourself. I don't need to hear about it. <laughs> it's just like, I just this is a really low bar for your happiness. It's just it. get your own freaking snack. That's it's, it. 
That's it. It's a lot of, I do feel like it's just a lot of negotiation. When you talk about being tired, I'm just tired of negotiating and justifying myself and like arguing back with people and art and like, it, it just is, that's what I get tired of. That's, that's it. All right. We've gotten through one thing that's taboo <laughs> and we've been doing this podcast now for almost 20 minutes. So okay, we're going to have we, to cruise through some of these. Marjorie. Should we just do one taboo a week? It'll take us nine weeks to get through the list. <laughs> no, that okay. is not delivering what we've promised to deliver. Okay. So number two, taboo number two, talking about your romantic past. So the therapist said, when couples allow fear, jealousy, or other insecurities to block out data-rich portions of their relationship histories, they miss an opportunity to gain insight into one another's evolution, conflict-style triggers, and character. Mm, yeah. So, we definitely talk about relation. We we did that really early on. Our first date, we talked about our previous relationships because we'd both been engaged to other people. And that was like the oh, last breakup. That's, that's But that being said, I don't think we have done a really good job of talking about like, how did you handle conflict in that previous in relationship? Yeah. That probably would be a pretty good conversation of like, hey, how did you handle it then? How are we handling it now and how might we do it better? better. I think I kind of like this list. This yeah, is good. I like that. When I was thinking about this, do we talk about our past histories? What's so funny to me is because I got married at 20. Mm-hmm. I did have a history. Um, Ian and I were friends before we started dating because I was dating somebody else. And this is on campus. And wherever, it was the oddest thing. I would be making out with this guy, like on the street or something. Of course and I were. would like open one eye and I would see Ian. I swear to God, we were in the stacks. I'm making out with this guy in the stacks in the library. And I open an eye and there's Ian. It's like, that is so bizarre. So he had to live through that. And then I'm in a relationship with that guy. And then there was a lingering leftover relationship with another guy that was yeah. in another state. And I remember Ian coming to pick me up. I I'd ended the one makeout relationship. Mm-hmm. Ian came to pick me up for a date. And I'm like, hey, this other guy's on the phone. I'll be with you in about 20 minutes. Can you imagine? That's why he plays that Wild Horses song for you. That's, yeah. So he he lived the primary past relationships of my life. So there wasn't a lot of discussion. And I've asked him questions about his one of his serious relationships. I'll never forget this. She got a divorce. And then she was coming back to live in the town that we were living in. And my husband, you know, keeps in touch with everybody. Yeah. He's the and best. he's like, you know, she's coming over. Like, and she had just moved back from Europe and she's a quite lovely woman. And he's like, you know, she's come, I can't remember if she was like he invited her over for dinner or something. And I just remember, I'm like, just had a baby. I'm in that mode. Yeah. So I have like a two-year-old and a newborn oh, in a bad. house that we had just built which uh-huh. is barely furnished. Everything was like gollywampus. It's like, really? Yeah. I don't feel comfortable with this one. Like right now I would prefer, but I remember her coming over and she looked fabulous. She had on all, oh, she looked fabulous. And that That's the example of like such a classic example of the thing that you love the most about per- the, a person. Cause like Ian is so, that is him. He doesn't think twice. One time Jay heard a knock at the door and he was like, who's at the door? He opened the door. It was Ian. Ian was at our door. I wasn't even home. Ian was there. And Jay was like, oh my gosh, we're here. Yes. You know, it's like, th- like that just lack of like, it's not really a lack of boundary. It's just like a, it's just like a lack of 
um, he doesn't have that feeling of like, oh, would I be, is this imposing? Like he just no. feels, I I love everyone. I want to, if I have an opportunity to say hello to them for five minutes, I want to do it. And I want to just have that connection with somebody. But then at the same time, like maybe, maybe well, that has been a struggle if you're married to him. I don't, I don't know. I'm not in your I don't marriage. Think, I don't think I ever told you about the fight we had about you. <laughs> no. Yes. Because I didn't know you and you were really sick. And he's like, we need to bring her some soup. That was so nice. That was the I best he's like, we need. I'm like, you don't know her. What are you doing? And he's like, no, she's sick. I was. We sick. need to bring her some soup. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my God. Okay. We'll bring her soup. That and was so, right when I met Jay. Yeah. And so we brought you, we went and we got you soup and we dropped it off. And it was like, but I always look at it from, I'm such an introvert. Yeah. So my feeling is always like, well, what is she going to think of you? Or isn't she going to think you're weird? No. for bringing her soup like no, that's it's matzo how ball my... soup from cecil's deli yep. it was jewish penicillin that you dropped off yep. and he was insistent he's like no she does not feel well she needs soup and it's i like... really was very sick and it was right when i met jay and then jay was bringing me that soup too and i remember jay being like these people are these people are wonderful these people are so nice i was like that's ian and marjorie that's so no, great at that point it was just him. just ian and then you <laughs> he's the only no but ian used to pop into the newsroom and like give me just little confidence boosts and be like, you're doing great. And I'd be like, who is this person? You're so nice. I'm so tired. And I that's hate who everything. Is. And I that's know. who he is. Is He's like, and he would tell me about it. He's like, she's, there's this woman and she's so incredibly talented. And he would tell me about oh. these little speeches. I'm like, doesn't she think you're weird? He's like, I don't know, but I feel like I have to say it to her. That that's really who he nice. is. If he feels like he has to say it, he's going to say it. So. Oh gosh. Anyway. Okay. So past relationships. Okay. You've got taboo number three. Taboo number three, flirting with other people. Done Ooh. without the intention of infidelity, flirting with others can have potential to spice up relationship. We rediscover our sensuality and confidence. I'm going to go with a big no-go on that one. I'm going to go- 100% no. No. And I think having like friendships and relationships with other people and uh, people of the opposite sex, I mean, to me, that's totally fine and all right. good. But like- flirting with the intent number one i also think it's like inappropriate to the person that's outside of your relationship that you're flirting with that's like a weird mixed message thing no I, go i i think that's so unhealthy on so many levels because it, it goes on in the article to talk about you know make sure you don't cross a line make sure you don't i mean if you're flirting you're opening up an avenue of sexuality, of, mm -hmm. of, 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 of sensuousness with somebody else. And the, the idea of that is that you would bring them that back home. No, bueno. I, I find that I found that one really weird. And I would not be comfortable with that in mm -mm. a partner at, no. at all. We're talking about the nine taboo things that can actually benefit your relationship. Taboo number four. Oh man, I landed on this one. I didn't want Here she one. goes. You got to, no. you got to read it. No, I'm a, I am a, I am an eight-year-old Catholic girl right now. Um, number four is masturbating. And the therapist there said the go. most important sexual relationship is the one you have with yourself. Yes. I'll agree to that. Great. Go for it. Do whatever. Yeah, totally. Go for this, it. This I don't know. Sex in the I, city. It, it, I, like, I have so many children. I'm like, I barely have time for sex with one other person, much less everyone else and myself and all the things like you just go for it, guys. There you go. Number five. You go to number five. Number five, taking separate vacations. They say uh, that this is a taboo that we should be breaking. A healthy relationship needs both familiarity and distance chance to miss one another. I don't know if I really feel like you have to do this, like, I want to miss you kind of thing. Maybe, you know, I'm a bit, I've got a girl's trip coming up this weekend. Yep. 
Jay just did his annual duck hunting trip. And then he had happened to have a work trip right before that. I am a big um, believer in the traveling and, and prioritizing like that time for yourself and your friendships. I think that's I awesome. I love that. I love that. And I, I think, um, I think it's really important. I think also too, uh, there's somebody who's joined us and I just want to say hello to her. Hello, burn, burn. Oh, there's Bernie and Frankie. They just came home. Yeah. That's okay. Bears. Can I finish with Marjorie? I'll come down. I want to hear all about it. Okay. Okay, Good job. Okay. Stay away. Bye-bye. We're going to finish our podcast. Okay. Love you bears. Thank you. Will you close that door quietly? And I'll be right down in like a few minutes. Love you. So, so on this taking separate vacations, Ian just said to me last night, we took a, a we had to go up to Topeka. And so we decided, oh, we're going to go out to dinner in Topeka. It's going to be exciting. And we were driving back and he said, you know what? Travel better now than we used to. And I said, yeah, because we travel differently. And so when I'm with you, I just acquiesce. <laughs> So that is pretty much the truth of it. We just travel. I mean, he's the kind of person that when he gets to the hotel, he wants to enjoy the hotel room. Mm. I'm the kind of person, if I'm in New York City, I don't care what hotel I'm in. Yeah, I want to get out. Mm-hmm. I want to get out. I want to get out. I want to get out. So taking separate vacations has been helpful for us because we do travel differently. And when we travel together, the way he travels is perfectly great. So I say yes to taking separate vacations for whatever reason suits your relationship. I agree. I agree. Okay. Taboo number six. You got this one, Marjorie. Uh, Taboo number six, going to bed angry in an emotionally flooded state, important skills like listening, processing information and empathizing with your partner are all compromised. So the idea, you know, people used to say, oh, you should never go to bed angry. This therapist is saying, absolutely go to bed angry. Do not stay up. There's no, there's no reason to keep fighting it through. How do you feel about that one? I totally agree. I think that there's just no reason. Then you're just exhausted and you're adding, you're just increasing your chances of saying things that you're going to regret and that you're going to have to apologize for. And then you're just driving a bigger wedge between you. And we, our marriage counselor talked about this a lot, that when you get to a certain point, where you are just like, oh my gosh, like you can't think straight. The other person can't right. think straight. It's way better to just stop and go, you know what? We're going to talk about this or for one person to just go if you have the opportunity. And may I just say, that's what I did this morning when I left to go run a couple of errands because right. I was just like, I'm right. out. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. It's just better. I That's exactly the same advice our therapist gave. I mean, therapists must be so sick of people saying, well, we thought we were supposed to not go to bed angry because our therapist said the same thing. Yeah. She said, you guys are tired. Go to bed. I know. Go, go to, to bed. bed. And if you can't sleep in the same place, if you're still, then go sleep, you know, get a little mini sleep divorce for the night. I know. I yeah. think that's, you know, I, I do think there's a key there too, to being okay with not being okay, just for a little while. And understanding that that's the way that marriage goes. I mean, I don't, unless you have these rare couples who are like, they were married for 65 years and they never fought. That's like one in a million, you guys. I mean, that's just not the way that it goes. And it's particular, I don't think, it's particularly not the way that it goes in modern times when you generally have both parties you don't have one person just solely focused on the home and making the home nice for that other person. Like that's not how it's going anymore. And so you're going to have fights. And I just have gotten better about being like, this kind of sucks. Like this sucks right now. This is hard. I walked out of the house this morning thinking like marriage is so hard. It's just hard. And 
I think like acknowledging that and being okay with not being okay, but still understanding that I'm choosing this every day and that the bigger benefits outweigh the little things that are difficult is important. I love that. You're choosing it every day and you're Mm -hmm. in for the long haul. So being out of sorts for a time is better than sort of chasing a false sense of it's okay now, or just sort of just... And that's what that's what I used to do. I used to chase it to try and make it just make it better really fast. And mm-hmm. with age and with therapy, I've gotten very comfortable with exactly what you've said, which is just this is where we are right in this moment. It'll pass. We'll come back to it when we can talk about it in a loving way. And I think that's the other key to this idea is that you have to be in a space where you're going to talk to one another lovingly mm-hmm. because if you can't, it's only going to escalate. And then you're going to end up, quite frankly, you're going to end up hating the person. Mm -hmm. And if you've never hated your spouse, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. So so, anyway, what's next? Next, uh, taboo number seven, talking openly about money. I mean, yeah, you've got to talk about money. If you're not talking about money, I, I don't know. It's very difficult. And Money gets more complicated too. The, I don't know, like the more you have, I know that sounds like a stupid entitled thing to say, but it's just like the more you have in terms of, I mean, like the more streams that are coming in and the more streams that are coming out, it's like so hard to keep track of all of it. Like we just have, we've got kids and we've got childcare and we have multiple cars and we've got like all these things and then the house and all this stuff. And it just feels like, Sometimes it feels like a runaway train that I'm yeah. like, I don't even yeah. know where it's coming from and where it's going. And this feels like so exhausting. Yeah. <sighs> and I think I think to, to your point that really having money or not having money, either situation is made worse if you're not communicating about it. For sure. And I think, I think that's the bottom line is if you're not communicating about it. And I feel pretty strongly about this as a woman. I've always known where everything, I make that sound more important than it is. But I've tried to know where everything is and I've tried to manage it well enough to do a great job, but I did an okay job. I just remember like having no money when I was like early in my career and I was just supporting myself. And I remember feeling like, I mean, number one, that wasn't great, but at least it was, it was more simple because it was just like, I had my paycheck. I had I knew how much it was going to be. I had this bill and that little bill. I didn't have to, you know what I mean? It's like, there's just a lot of extra and there, and like the budgeting is so difficult because there's all these things that pop up. Like all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going to do this or this is coming. It It's, it just, I can see, I mean, the, it feels very overwhelming. So we're on number, what number are we on, Elizabeth? We're on number eight. Okay. Number eight. Why do I keep getting these? Watching porn. Another they taboo. say that's a taboo that you should be breaking, that you should be watching porn. That you I'm going to go with a negative porn. on this one. But listen, I um, there's no judgment in whatever, but I I just don't. Um, from what I have researched and read, I do not think that the positives outweigh the negatives when it comes to pornography. I just don't feel like I, I don't I feel like it's an industry that I'm not interested in supporting it's an objectification, like it's visual images that I'm not really interested in bringing into the minds of me or my partner. It's just not for me. I'm a hell no on this one. <laughs> I'm a hell no. And the therapist said, 
Research shows that partners who watch porn together report greater relationship functioning and sexual satisfaction than partners who do not. And I'm going to just say why I, 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 I get really frustrated with quotes like that is because it's a logic jump that isn't necessarily true. Mm. And the logic jump they're make, making is that these couples are showing greater relationship functioning and that is because they're watching porn or because they can watch porn together. I would say the fact that they are already functioning at a high level of sexual communication is why they're able to watch porn. So I don't think it's the porn that's helping right. the relationship. I think the relationship is probably fairly healthy. Right. And they've added in porn. Right. Right. I just don't think the reverse is true. And it makes right. it sound like the reverse is true. Like if yes. you watch porn, you're going to you're going to have a better relationship. I, I I don't I just I that really bugs me mm-hmm. in the way that they wrote that because I think that that's a really dangerous thing because I think for a lot of people it can really complicate a marriage. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a hell no to that one. Hell no. I'm with you. Okay. One more. One more. Number nine. Taboo number nine that the Huffington Post says that you should be breaking, keeping a secret from your partner. They say if a behavior or belief occurred in the past that you've learned from and you're no longer practicing, it can sometimes be advisable for the survival and health of the relationship not to share. I'm sure there's like a million things that I haven't shared with Jay that I haven't even, that I just don't even think about that um, that isn't you, like a conscious, I don't think it's like a conscious secret. It's just like, there's, we lived a whole life. I mean, I still learn things about him that I didn't know that it'll be like, oh, that was that person. That's that person that I knew from here right. and there. And we did this and whatever. I don't know. I think that my problem with this one is, so just as it's written here, again, this is a big no for me, mm-hmm. but it, the problems with the word secret so, yeah. you know, stuff that I did before I met my husband, I mean, I, I was so young, it's like I didn't do all that much. But I mean, right. I if I had, in my mind, stuff that I did before I met him, whether I tell him or not, it's really, I don't really think is, is a big deal. It's, I, I, that's your life. That was yeah. my life. And I mean, I suppose if I had been a heroin addict, right. Or something. I, I I think probably it's good to tell somebody that you're sober and you're you know you're trying to stay sober and all of right. those things. So, but so that's where it gets weird for me because I think if you're qualifying as a secret, probably there's a problem there. Probably you need to be working through it. Right. Because if you're not on the other side of being able to say, this is how I live my life now because of what happened to me in the past, or this is what I learned right. from that experience then you're harboring a secret, which to me, secret is sort of synonymous with shame. And then I think we need to either, maybe not if you don't want to tell your spouse, you need to probably talk to a therapist about it. Because if it's causing you shame, that's no bueno. But but what's also interesting this is, I mean, if it happens within your marriage, say you had an affair. I mean, I'm going to tell a story on somebody that I met many years ago. She had told me that she made out with somebody. She's married. Yeah. Didn't tell her husband. That seems like a problem to me. That's a problem. Yeah. So sex wasn't an affair, you know, just, but I feel like according to this, if you're not going to do it again, if you've corrected your behavior and it occurred, but you're not going to do it again, there's no reason to tell your spouse. That Mm. seems like a really slippery slope. So I would say no to that one. 
All right. That's that a fun just, list, Marjorie. Know, That's a right? good list. And we got through a lot. Are you exhausted? I'm kind of emotionally, the masturbation and the porn sort of just, <laughs> it's too much. It's too much for me. You landed on both of those. It was, that was a fun little, fun <laughs> little did. ride to be on. Look at that. And and then we overshared per usual. Um, okay. Before we go, I have to tell you something, Marjorie, Uh-oh. and I want to share this with everybody else um, that, so this is kind of fun. So this month, I am on the cover of Apple Valley Magazine, which is my hometown, which is where I'm from. I grew up in Apple Valley and this magazine group called The Local, they do all these great local magazines uh, with, with you know, different communities in the metro right. that they focus on. So I just wanted to tell you and read a little bit because they wrote a really sweet piece. They interviewed me about it and they talked about just my life um, with my job and how growing it up in Apple Valley impacted that. And so in the article, it goes through some of the things that I do for my job, including this line. She also co-hosts a podcast, Best to the Nest, with Marjorie Punnett about bringing your best self to your home and family. It's about how to make your home your sanctuary and safe landing place, Reese says. We talk about it being a journey, not a destination, because we're both still working on it. So Best (laughs) of the Nest got a shout out in Apple Valley Magazine, and I wanted to save that to the end to share with you. Oh, I love that. And what a lovely cover. Oh, thanks. You love cover, girl. So if you are enjoying this podcast, which we hope you are, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcast. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.